This is the way. This is the way. Hello there. So say we all. May the force be with you. You're a wizard, Harry. I am Iron Man. What about second breakfast? Assemble. You're here because you know something. Whoa, this is heavy. I volunteer as tribute. I'm Batman. You have chosen wisely. The North remembers. To infinity and beyond. The force will be with you. Welcome to the Nerdverse, nerds! Today, this corner of the Nerdverse is for all you DC nerds out there. I'm Joanna, Apple Dumplin' Gang Krupnik. And I'm Brian, Bag of Chips Tumbleweed Plofsky. And we could not be happier that you put on your human costume, you duck, and have joined us today. <laughs> today in the Nerdverse with Joanna and Brian, we will be refilling our pen cup with Twizzlers or Red Vines and concentrating real hard to move a kidney up to our heart's place. And diving into episode four of Peacemaker, The Chode Less Traveled. Yeah, and as we begin every episode, this is your spoiler alert alert. I repeat, this is your spoiler alert alert. We will be spoiling things like potentially the Suicide Squad, obviously Peacemaker, and other DCU properties. Um, so let's, uh, let's get started. Oh, before we start on Peacemaker, another DC announcement... Uh, before the Batman comes out, we are going to do the Batman, obviously. Um, mm. Before the Batman comes out, we are going to do like a Batman roundup like we did with the Spider-Man movies. Um, but HBO Max has Batman, Batman Returns, Batman Forever, as well as Batman and Robin. Uh, those leave HBO Max January 31st. So if you did want to watch all those movies without having to like find them elsewhere or potentially pay for them, um, I would suggest uh, getting those watches in before the end of January. I'm really curious what the move is there by HBO because so, I yeah. think the move is not by HBO. I think it's by Warner Brothers where they want to oh. make a little extra money before this movie comes out. So if they take it off HBO Max, then people are potentially paying for it. Oh, because okay. people I are going to be I excited. I Dummy. was thinking so naively. I was like, "Oh, don't they want to get people excited? No, they want to make money off of this. Take take <laughs> advantage of the capital." Yeah, I mean, and like you know, for dummies like us who want to rewatch all of them because we're hungry, uh, you know, <laughs> we'll pay it. Yeah, exactly. Um, cool. So we watched Peacemaker uh, episode yeah. four. Joanna, uh, what did you think of this episode? I mean, I am more excited to see Peacemaker Weekly now than I am Boba Fett. I can't kind of believe I'm saying that. Sure. Um, <clears throat> it's just so much fun. And it's clear and concise. It has mystery. It has action. It's hysterical. Yeah. I mean, I kind of want to call it Peacemaker or Vigilante, depending on how you look at it. Because honestly, it's kind of a vigilante show, too. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I, I, I really, really enjoy it. I am... It's just like a delight. Again, I think I said this in the first like episode we did for the first three uh, chapters of this show. I'm just kind of like <clears> – there's <throat> a weight off my shoulder when I'm watching it. I'm not trying to guess what the butterflies are. I, I, you know, um, Our passports for DC um, are low, and that's okay. Uh, Joanna, do you want to hand over your passport for just a moment so we can, since we're yeah, entering sure. into the DC sector of the nerdverse? Sure. Um, I'll exit my Batman, Batman mobile. I, that's from New Girl. I know it's Batmobile. Batman mobile. Um, but I wanted to also say on on that note, um, it's really nice because 
with, and I know James Gunn loves to do this. He did it with Guardians as well. It's really nice to have a character that you don't know much about, even DC fan. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of expectation. You can really have fun right. with it. So I think that's what's happening here. Yeah, even like if I- you are a DC fan with a passport filled with stamps, like you're still learn, you still don't have a lot of expectations. So I think that's just awesome. Yeah. Um, and just as a reminder, passports are ways that we can contextualize kind of how much we know about a subject. Uh, so for DC, Joanna has four Batarang stamps. I have six Batarang stamps. Um, so yeah, watching this one, like kind of uh, <clears throat> weight off my shoulders. I don't know a ton about the Peacemaker and a lot of other DC properties. So um, it's I nice. Would, are we saying that the DC is separate from DCEU passports though? Because I've seen a lot of DCEU uh, visually, but I mean, um, visually, uh, in, in movies and in, t- in TV shows, but I've only, th- I think only, only read one comic and I've played no video games. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, we could separate them. Maybe we separate them. I, cause okay. I, I don't think I have five in DC general. I think I have like three <laughs> in DC IP, you know, general, uh, franchise. And then for films and TV shows, maybe I have five. All right. Um, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to be you know stopped at the gate multiple times when I'm trying to fly out. To I the understand corner of the universe, Brian. All right, so let's uh, let's rearrange these passports then. Let's go back to customs and see what we need to declare. Uh, so for the DC, the DCEU passport, which are now Batarangs. Yeah. How how many stamps do you think you get there? Of I think the I have five. That's when I have five. All right, I'll give myself a seven. Yeah. I'll, I'll put myself up there. That's more like it. And then for the D for DC, how many uh, detective fedora stamps? <laughs> um, probably one or two. I've read Kingdom Come. <laughs> I mean, that's a good one. It's a great one, recommended by you. Um, quite a first for a, a quite a first first foray into comics. Um, but yeah, so that's that. It starts and ends there. Sure. Um, I'll give myself a five. I know half of it very well, like the big players and like the yeah. other half of it. I only know through certain comics and, and like being side characters in other comics. So I'll give myself a five for just the DC comics. So here we are. We have our DCEU Batarang passports. Um, Joanna has a five. I have a seven. Um, and we can totally go from there. Uh, well, here's a cool. question I have off of the the the, um, the passports. Speaking of and and sort of catapulting us into this episode, um, did you know? Did Matter Eater was some, Matter Eater Lad something that you had heard of? I mean, I figure that's a reference to some really you know peripheral DC character. Mad Hatter. Mad e- Matter Eater. Remember Matter Eater Lad, who um, Chris is like. He, you know, he's a wacko. He like ate this whole diner because his fries were. Yeah, I've. I sorry, I thought you were referring to when they were running through all the Batman villains. Yes, which yes, was an no, amazing Matt, scene. Uh, yeah, uh, Matter Eater Lad. I had heard of him. I don't okay. think I've ever seen him or well, read so about him. You're already more comic qualified book. with with stamps. Sure. And the other thing was, Justin and I were like, why have we heard Adrian Chase that name? Because uh, he time. was in Queens Boulevard. Because <laughs> he was in Queens Boulevard. Friend of the bod, Josh Segarra in Arrow as Prometheus. Wait, what? Oh, Adrian. Ch- yeah, 
in a oh. different world. Oh, yes. Different, yes, that's Adrian Chase also. Yes, Adrian Chase on um, on Arrow, played by Josh Segarra. Yes, that's true. I was thinking, I got confused from uh, uh, Entourage. Adrian oh. Grenier played... Adrian uh, Grenier, yeah. Uh, played What's It Called Chase. Uh, yes. Vinny Chase. That's where I yes. got confused. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So go, backing up, I, I was curious if Adrian Chase sounded <laughs> familiar to you. We we looked it up and because, you know, Justin was like, this name sounds so familiar. And the first thing that comes up is a whole bunch of images of Josh. And we were like, oh, my gosh, it's its character from Arrow. But, a, again, a completely different character. Mm-hmm. So it's a different universe. But, like, anyway, thought that was really interesting. That's funny. Um, uh, yeah. Should we get into this episode? Let's do it. Okay, awesome. Um, so essentially, the group takes Judo Master. So they've captured Judo Master. They take him back to the headquarters in the truck. And then we have that whole truck conversation about like pinky toes um, and all <laughs> that so stuff. So funny. And then Smith tells the team that he killed the butterfly, which we did not see in the episode last week. Um, and then uh, Vigilante drives Smith back to his dad's house to retrieve like new helmets and things like that. Um, and then that's where Peacemaker learns that his dad had been arrested uh, and that the team basically set him up to take the fall so that they can kind of keep doing their work. Uh, what did you think of kind of this first, before we get to more, what did you think of this first part of the episode? Was this a good, you know, we just wa- we just binged three episodes. Like, was this a good place to jump back in? Oh, for sure. Um, I think we got the tease at the very beginning that we were finally going to figure out what butterflies were when Mern is like, I'll tell you tonight. We'll know. And so I was like, okay, okay. So we're going to know what they are. Finally. Mm. Um, so yeah, I thought it was a great jumping off point. It was so funny. I mean, the scene between the neighbor um, and and Chris, it was so, the Batman coterie of villains scene. Uh that's as far as we've gotten in the stops so far. That was so funny. Also, and, and I heard, an, that old man would totally use the word coterie. No question. Of course. Yeah. Of course. I'm going to start using that. I mean, it, that can be interchanged with rogues gallery, right? Yeah. That's like interchange. Um, I think that, uh, oh, I, I, no, I don't think anything. I was listening to um, a Hollywood reporter uh, pod with James Gunn a while ago, and he mm-hmm. and I didn't have context for this, but he said that something like, HBO, you know, he pushed a lot of buttons with the script, um, of course. And like of all the things, the thing that they had the biggest problem with was saying Batman is a pussy on the show. Like they, oh, really? they, they were really like, can we not? So I just think that's really funny. It's like, that's what is awesome. that, your boy? Like, yeah. So anyway. <coughs> yeah, I thought those scenes were really funny. And I think skipping ahead a little bit, but it's more just for themes. Um, I think what this episode really did for me was uh, twofold. The first thing is really starting to get into um, what the the idea of family, and you know, and I think we experience this a lot nowadays with like you know uh, family members being finding out just how conservative they are and just how all of that, you know, how, how that, you know, bring, they bring it to Thanksgiving or they bring it to a holiday and kind of, you know, how do you reconcile the fact that you love this person? Uh, however, they're not a good person or they have views that are totally different than yours. Uh, how do you reconcile that? Because, you know, we talk about the fact that like, 
his father was a monster to him, one. Mm-hmm. And they talk about the fact that like his father was a not only a supervillain, but a deeply racist supervillain who Horrible. is an awful, awful, awful man. Uh, and 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 how how does Peacemaker or how do people like reconcile that? Because he's yeah. still family, he says, when he goes into the prison, and 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 he still has pieces of him in him, which was a lot of the um points of view that we see, a lot of the 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 not so great jokes from the first three episodes from this one. Um, are all a part of being played for laughs, which again, I, I'm a little, you know, I don't love, um, but I do understand that where it's coming from. And I thought this episode, I hope that these episodes get more into it, um, mm-hmm. but they really started to dip their toes in it with Daniel Brooks, with Vigilante. Uh, and I'm, I'm, that's one of the things that I really enjoyed about this episode, that they're actually getting into it as opposed to, just using these characters to tell us to tell a story unrelated to that theme and that important messaging. Does that make sense? Yeah, of course, especially in this day and age with politics the way they are, it really can it's so polarizing and people's families are divided in a lot of the ways they think about this stuff. So I think I think uh, challenging us to see how that's dealt with is really um, important and compelling. And it would be really easy to write him off and for uh, peacemaker to take what he's done, you know, take what he's done to him and just go, f- you know, just not care, give a shit about him. But, mm-hmm. um, it just, it, it may, it shows peacemakers, you know, his insides a little bit more to us, which I, I love. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and even the conversation where, uh, in the car where they're talking about how vigilante's parents left. Um, uh, Oh my God. So funny. And like really funny, but also emotionally charged. And we talked about like, the tangents last week that they go on and 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 a lot of that is like in this one it was it was a defense mechanism from peacemaker because he doesn't want to talk about his past and then at the end he asks harcourt what's in his file about his dad and him and that triggers a lot of trauma and memories and so i think that's and then you also have the theme that everybody around the daniel brooks's character keeps commenting on what a what a like sociopath or emotionless monster, uh, uh, her Vigilante mom is. is. Oh, no, her, her mom. mom is without Waller. knowing who her mom is. So mm-hmm. there's this. There's a lot of like parent uh, child kind of relationships uh, in here. Um, he even talks about killing children uh, that he didn't want to. If he, you know, all you know, all of that. I thought is all those themes are kind of weaving into each other, and I really like that about this episode. Um, yeah. and I, well, I bring it up get, now because of where we are in the, in the plot. Yes. And I, and we will get into it, I'm sure, but we find out a lot of those connects in his flashbacks at the end of the episode. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, so if we've made it to talking about the fact that his dad's not a, not a good man, um, I don't, uh, have we gotten that far? No, we're still. Smith, where Smith learns that uh, that his dad's been arrested. Yeah, and then they go into the house, into the interdimensional kind of uh, bat cave, if you will, like the helmet the cave. The quantum realm. The quantum <laughs> realm of helmets. And they essentially are in there, and they have the amazing duck conversation. If it, if it yes. walks like a duck. If it walks like a duck, it's either a duck or a duck wearing some type of human costume. I don't know. He's, he's unable to hide his distinctive walk. How the fuck could that even happen? How would what happen? 
a duck in a human costume. The sizes are completely incompatible. And so that was obviously very enjoyable. And then did you watch the after credit sequence finally? I did. Now I'm finally okay. watching all the after credits. Okay, we'll get to that. Um, um, but yeah. So and the, we sorry, get go to, ahead. And, and in this scene, the two of them kind of go at it a little bit because like, again, same thematic element where his dad builds him stuff. His dad does all this for him. But then they pan to his actual white dragon costume um and we find out that he at once was actually the white dragon villain uh in this version of this universe um and that you know that also adds on top of it that like he's not just like this racist who sits at home and, and tinkers like he was actually a super villain at one point i, I thought that was uh, very interesting yeah and i wonder if if we're getting chekhov's um Chekhov's weak points in his dad's suit. Uh, Adrian, oh, yeah. Adrian says totally. There's weak. There's weak points. So I'm wondering how that's going to come into play, and if it is in fact a device for later. Yeah, that's a really um, good point. Yeah, so that's interesting. Um, so going back a little bit, the yeah. the new when he when Smith walks into his dad's house, there's this um, news story about the gorilla that's gone missing. Yes. I'm also wondering how that's going to play into things. Yes. Um, um, that's very interesting. So in the comics, DC has a lot of talking gorilla characters. Um, there's gorilla. Weird. <clears throat> yes. It's super weird. There's like uh, Gorilla Grodd uh, and there's like Sergeant Gorilla. Gorilla Grodd is probably the most well-known one. Uh, it was on the Flash TV show. He's been in a lot of comic books that I've read. Mm. Um, he's like super smart. And then there's Sergeant Gorilla. But I don't think any of these, like, gorillas are named Charlie. So I'm wondering if they're just, like, creating their own thing uh, that's going to be, you know, an obstacle down the line. Or if they're going to repurpose uh, Charlie the gorilla into something else. Because my assumption is, like, he was stolen by, like, some science group uh, or something like that. But, yeah, I did notice that. And I did look it up because I didn't know if any of the gorillas in the DC were called Charlie. And I couldn't find anything. Yeah. Um, they, yeah, so that's like a, a weird sort of quiet overheard thing. The other quiet overheard thing was, is when, um, back in, at headquarters, when, uh, Harcourt is like, where's all this money going? When, um, Mern is like really pissed off that, um, Economos has, uh, you know, framed his father, Chris's yeah. father instead of him. Um, there, there's something there as well. So they're they're purposeful about, especially with the subtitles on. Like it's very purposeful mm. about what they want. Well, to yeah, but also <laughs> even with the subtitles on, you're right. They're actually featured. Like the volume is high. They even panned across the TV. Like uh, uh, the, with Harcourt, like it's it's very clear they want you to hear her talking about that while looking at the file. So yeah. I, you're totally right. Um, uh, and then so they uh, they get the helmets and they head over to the uh, the jail. Uh, mm -hmm. And then essentially what happens is that uh, the father threatens to kind of expose Mern's uh, operations when he goes to the prison. Mm -hmm. um, and then Daniel Brooks's character tries to talk him down from going in to the jail, which is where we get that really good scene about like family versus horrible people. Yeah, your dad is like not that. a good man, not to the world, but especially not to you. And then Adebayo, the um, Daniel Brooks character, then like sneakily tries to put the idea in Vigilante's head that he needs to take out the uh, his father dad. because Mern 
basically said like do whatever you need to do to not have him talk to his dad uh and and you have that good scene between her and Mern in terms of like she's really upset that she left hardcore in the most recent episode like to have to kill the guy because she she never killed someone before and so and they also saying that peacemaker likes her the best they have the best relationship um which i'm gonna say this is probably true but we've only had like one scene before this at the at the restaurant that you really mean when he says he's the, you're the only one that he knows is not a butterfly. Um, yeah, and trusts. Yeah, scene. yeah, yeah. Um, I also found this interesting. Do you think that he's? Do you think that um, Adebayo says you when know, she's like, "Oh fuck!" after she's sort of manipulated um, backward uh, Adrian to go into prison and take out his dad? Do you think that that? she that this is her skill this like she was like man that was so easy and i hate that that was so easy for me to manipulate him although he is kind of an idiot or do you think it's just it's just hard for her to be part of this operation because we still haven't seen what her what she's bringing to the table yeah so i think a couple things i think yes maybe she is very good at like being persuasive one two they do mention that she's an excellent marksman but she's just never killed anyone before um, How do you know that if she's never killed anyone? So weird. How do I know that? No, how how do we, how would we know, how would a person know that? I mean, does she just go to the shooting range all the time, but she's actually oh, never that you're a good, practice? You could be a good marksman without shooting anyone, Joanna. No, I know, but, well, when, but they're it's signing if someone's a good marksman. They don't have like bodies in the Olympics. <laughs> that's true. That's true. I guess I was thinking, you know, how do you, how do you uh, you to mark to mark someone and kill them is is a skill in itself. Your emotions can't get in the way. It's a whole skill. Sure. So the fact that she can like shoot an arrow at a, or a dartboard or whatever, like that to me does not equate to you'd be great in black ops. I don't know. Sure, okay, that's fair. Um, but also, Mern does say that like she has no experience. Her resume was blank. She doesn't know why Amanda Waller like fast tracked her to this. Uh, I mean. Yeah. For all I know, it's because she suspects Mern is a butterfly and her daughter, because she's biologically like hers, is the only person she can trust because she knows what's inside of her. Um, that's one yeah. thought of that. But going back to um, Daniel Brooks's kind of function, um, I, I think it's very interesting that she's really torn up about convincing Vigilante to do that because a couple things. One, this episode thematically is also about first kills. She shoots Judo Master a little bit later in this episode and right directly like square in the chest. Like, honestly, like she was at a shooting range and that's like right in the middle of the piece of paper, um, the target Mm. that you're using. So that was kind of to show that she is a marksman, but she's only used to shooting pieces of paper. Um, Mm. One, but two... Internally, how can she feel ethically fine with convincing someone else to kill somebody, even though he's already like a sociopath, when she herself kind of hasn't done it? I think she feels a little bit yucky. Um, And then, but then she actually shoots Judo Master to protect Peacemaker. He's obviously very upset about it because he could have beaten him. So there's that piece. But then you have a flashback at the end to Peacemaker's first kill. So you have these juxtaposing uh, first kills where they really didn't want to and they were kind of put in a situation where they maybe had to, very different situations where his dad forced him to stab a guy versus like her protecting somebody else. Um, 
I thought that was a very interesting uh, juxtaposition that the episode decided it's to do. It's a great point. I did not, I did not catch that that through line throughout. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. Um, uh, I also thought so. No, uh, well, keep going with the plot because we'll talk at the end. And, yeah, sure. And, and finding breadcrumbs for it along the way. Go on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so basically, Judo Master uh, has escaped. Um, and Chase gets himself um, – Vigilante gets himself arrested uh, to go to jail. That's not how jail works. But uh, he uh, got he, he gets arrested to go into jail. Um, uh, then when, when Judo Master escapes, <clears throat> excuse me, um, he has to fight him. Uh, Peacemaker has to fight him. And then Adebayo uh, shoots Judo Master, but he's still alive. So just as Judo Master is about to explain something important about the butterflies, uh, uh. Sh- she shoots him. Um, and then Peacemaker goes home uh, where we find out that he kept one of the butterflies alive or the butterfly from yeah. the senator alive. Uh, and and then going back to the prison, Vigilante provokes all of the white supremacists, which is a, oh a spectacular scene. Um, so good. And then watching him just like dismantle all of them. Was oh my awesome. God. I was like, wow, this is this skinny this, little bitch. He, right. And he might have a weird broken brain, but man, can he fight? It was awesome. Um, and then he is bailed out by Harcourt. Uh, and then uh, essentially Smith starts to have flashbacks while he's smoking and drinking. Because he goes and to dancing. Hardcore. Don't forget the dancing. And the dancing. He goes to Hardcore at the bar and asks what's in his file. Uh, and then at the end, um, Adebayo finds a lead uh, for mm. the butterflies and lets Mern know. And we find out that Mern is a butterfly himself. Okay. Did you see that coming at all? So, yes and no. In the pre- one of the previous episodes, they talk about how Mern doesn't show emotion, and it's a part of his character. And he says that he kind of likes um, Economist's character. Um, so while they showed us signs of it, they hid it well under the fact that he was showing a little bit of, mo- of emotion, like t- like in his own way. Um, yeah. And I thought that was very interesting. Uh, and I'm wondering if last week when he blows up the door, if like he really wasn't trying to blow up the door and then I, I don't know. And then it, it goes off anyway. I'm not a hundred percent sure what happened there. I'd have to rewatch that to see, but basically like, I, I don't know if I was expecting, I wasn't surprised at all, but I don't know if I was, it, I had it on my bingo card. Got it. Does that make sense? Totally. Um, so I didn't catch, I, I didn't expect it. I mean, as when the camera pans and he's just sort of staring blankly on the couch, that's the minute that I took it. And I didn't, I didn't need the sure. tongue. The tongue was confirmation. Um, what movie was but, he watching again? Oh, I don't know. What was he watching? I forget what movie he was watching. Cause I was think it that a movie? was a movie or was it a TV show? I didn't. I don't remember thinking it was a movie or anything I recognized, but I also wasn't paying attention. I definitely I recognized it. Okay, well, we'll have to check. Yeah, I'll, I'll, um, I'll check. If you know, somebody tweeted us. Um, 
Anyway, uh, so I didn't catch that. I thought for Black Ops, this is completely normal to not show emotion. Justin recalled, Justin did expect this a little bit because of the moment where you mentioned blowing up the door last episode. He's like laying on the ground and I just thought, you know, he had some some damage done when he was so close to the explosion, but it was like a weird catatonic state. So wait, so do he, you think that sorry, I, I'm I'm trying to figure this out. Do you think that he uh got butterflied then and there? He's not he hasn't always been a butterfly? Well, I didn't I don't think that because of the door, but watching it a second time, I did wonder was there a moment that we've witnessed that he's actually or time that we've witnessed that he has actually been infected as a butterfly. But I don't know. It's not clear because his motive has stayed this his MO has stayed the same um with being on task for getting rid of them. So that's a good question. I mean, the only I think all logical signs point to he's been one the whole time um, because we, we there's only one butterfly and that butterfly is in a jar with with Peacemaker right now. So I, not knowing how this technology works, I'm assuming, we just assume that he's always been. Um, but I do think it was weird in the dad discussion with him, with Mern and Peacemaker when he's like, yeah, I have a dad. I wasn't born in a Petri dish. Um Knowing the twist oh, at the end. Oh yeah, that's interesting. interesting. That's very interesting. Because yeah. so we still don't know, know if what butterflies are. Are they no, taking? No, we have no idea. Are they taking over? You know what I mean? Because Annie's a, Annie, as it was like, you know, a Wolverine crazy mutant butterfly, but the governor seems yeah. like he was just a jerk. Um, and they they you know they didn't attack anyone in our of our characters, so. There might be variations of the motives of the butterflies. And I think it is – I mean, Judo Master, the second before he gets shot, he's like, they're not what you think. The way he said that makes me think that we're we're missing – they're drawing us away with this butterfly thing, but there's something different going on. And on that note, the thing that I can't – the thing that I'm, I've been constantly looking for and wondering throughout this whole show, and I'm curious what you think, is why do we need Peacemaker – for this mission, what it is it? What is it about this mission that sure. they need Peacemaker to do? It can't be that he just killed Rick Flag because the people on this team like don't like that he did that, mm-hmm. and they don't like Waller. So I'm curious. There has to be a reason. I don't know if it has to do with his dad. I don't know if this has mm-hmm. to do with how he was manipulated as a kid. But I'm very curious what the end game is here and why Peacemaker for this mission. Do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, I don't. I don't know. I really haven't thought that through. Like you're kind of presenting that to me for the first time here. I think it was just like, you know, because he survived and he has still has the chip in his head. It was just an easy go to. That's um, true. He does. So I'm have wondering chip in his head. if there is a deeper uh, message there. But I oh, also he's what well, I looked at. I I um I just quickly rewatched it. It's Lethal Weapon Four. It's the laughing oh. gas scene from Lethal Weapon Four, which is like. So is that well, meaningful? I just think that like it's a funny scene. They're all laughing, and he's sitting there, like literally, they're all like cracking. He has up no emotion. Yeah, it just yeah. a juxtaposition, like what he looks like. That's interesting. Um, <clears throat> something else uh, that we should talk about in this episode is his. <clears throat> so the flashbacks he has are of his dad training him to kill, and he kills his first dude. Um, 
And then that cuts into him stabbing Rick Flagg when Rick Flagg t- calls him a joke. And that, th- that like triggers him. And I feel like that moment when Rick Flagg calls him a joke is kind of his turning point, is his moment of like change because it de- affects him. So, well, it starts his chain reaction of change because it affects him so deeply. Um, and he's still having flashbacks to it. And he relates it back to his first kill. Um, and all of that. And, and I'm trying to think, has, has he killed anybody in this yet? Because, because if so, if not, Rick Flagg was his most recent kill. Yeah. And he's been changed uh, ever since. Yeah. We're doubting, you know, he's had introspection. Yeah. Cause then um, you also have the mystery. Sorry, just to relate it back. You also have the mystery of what happened to his brother. Cause his dad mentions his brother in their conversation when they're talking about chodes. Uh, but not like a dick chode, like a good kind of chode. Um, and chode so, less uh, so there's, there's that aspect of things because then we see another flashback of maybe his brother having a seizure or something or his brother being yeah. poisoned or. I, I'm guessing from the flashback, the brother was punched by someone else, the, the older man. And then he has a seizure and dies. And so Augie takes Chris to kill the older man who sort of in, in ignited his brother's oh, death. interesting, interesting. Yeah, that's what oh, I took I from it. Oh, I didn't think about that at all, but I, 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 I get that. I think you're, I think, I think you're onto something there. I was just thinking that, like, maybe the dad, because the dad was rough with the kids, hit the kid, and he had a seizure, and like they covered it up, or, or maybe they were just fooling. Peacemaker and his brother were fooling around. He like elbows him because he's like learning all this cool stuff from his dad, and then that does it, like. Uh, that's an interesting, fa- uh, interesting thing that you just said. I that mean, it could be, be random that the guy is just a rando, but yeah, I, something true. tells me that it's all related. But that the important things take away is that maybe Augie said that it was Chris who had to do with the the brother's death because we learned that from the file, right? Well, when Harcourt's like, you know, your brother died, and you had something, and your dad says that you had something to do with that. Mm-hmm. So Augie again, just terrible. Um, Yes. And, you know, he says those horrible lines in prison, like, you, you know, I have no more use for you. Your use is done and blah, 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 blah. So, yeah. And I also think in the flashbacks, we see that they listen to records together, which is why he has this affinity for all these mm. records. And he's like mm-hmm. so hard, tries to get those from out of that apartment, that first episode. So um, that was really, that was really cool. And yeah, he definitely has regret for killing Rick Flagg is yeah. what I took away from that. I mean, totally. it was really heartbreaking. Because as far literally. as we're concerned, uh, uh, literally, as far as we're concerned with what we've, the, the context of this show is that he is a good guy and he is just put in these bad situations and manipulated a lot and they're using him still with the chip in his head um, to do what they sure. want and you're supposed to feel really bad for him. Yeah, I don't know if he's a good guy. Like, I, I think that you're taking these two characters, the dad and the and Peacemaker and saying like, we're saying the same thing. We're saying about Peacemaker that he's a good guy, um, but he was just like put into a bad situation, like you just exactly said. Um, and then you have the dad who Peacemaker is saying, Chris is saying, like, he's still family. Is he a good guy? Is he not a good guy deep underneath? Like, we know that he's not, but like Peacemaker's trying to justify it. So you have those like two levels of it. Which and, and a part of that guy has rubbed off on Peacemaker. Like he's killed men, women, and children. Like yeah. he'll do anything. He killed one of our favorite characters, at least in the second one, or an improvement over the first one into the second one, Rick Flag. Um 
And so there's a lot of interesting things happening there. Um, and I like that we're actually talking about it and dealing with it in actual scenes and not just like in character of evolution, but like actually like bring it into the scene work, if that makes sense. Totally. And I also really like that we got to see Peacemaker like in his element this episode. You know, he finds out the judo master, you know, really washes economos and and they're like he's outside out the window and he dashes out does does like the avengers land i mean he that was he awesome. doesn't even think he just jumps he's there to help and i think that that it was really cool to see peacemaker be the peacemaker that he's been hired to be mm-hmm. or the reason he's a quote superhero um so that was really cool it's just really making me it's making me grow him grow on me i think it's so would you I don't would know you say t- that your feelings for him uh, is that he's a grower, not a shower. Oh, I definitely, I, I really related to that scene. I said, this guy, this guy's a grower, not a shower. Um, I, I, uh, I think in general, it's so interesting that we, when we left off with him in the new Suicide Squad, um, I, I was, I did not like that character at all because again, he was, he, sta- he killed Drick Flag and he actually turned out to be a dick and he was sort of like not that great the yeah, whole yeah. movie. Um, there, but enough time passed between when they started the show that I had, I'm picking up and I'm like, I don't have those like deep anger feelings toward this character mm-hmm. anymore. So I'm able to watch the show really rooting for him. Um, yeah. Which I'm glad because I I didn't give a shit. When I heard they were doing it, I remember hearing the show was coming right after I saw the movie, not too long after. And I said, why? He's an asshole. Like, what am I going to watch his demise? Like, that does not sound fun. Watch mm-hmm. revenge on him. That does not sound fun. So they waited just long enough that I – that they, they, they purposely waited because they knew Joanna Krupnik was done, was over it. Yeah. She was like, mm-hmm. okay, Joanna's mm-hmm. – the time is, has – the threshold has passed. We can st- release the show now. <laughs> Thank yeah, you, Yeah, release the show. Uh, release the Kraken. Release the show. Yes. Um, some other things I do want to point out about this episode is uh, when Mern says, my use for you is over, that was mm-hmm. heartbreaking. And you could see how deeply that could potentially affect him. Like, if he doesn't have a use, then who is he? I Wait, does that- Mern say that or Augie? Uh, his dad. Oh, his dad says that. You're right. I'm yeah. so sorry. His dad says that. Uh, my use for you is over when he leaves the table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's even worse, honestly. Way worse. Yeah, because yeah. it's not even about love. It's just about how useful this this killer he created was. Yeah. Um, and also, what was the use? I'm curious. Like, are we yeah, just Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. Yeah. Maybe uh, something we'll, we'll discover later. Yeah, I would just Overall, think being a murderer, being a killer, you know, uh, doing some of his deep state dirty work for him. Yeah. Overall, the Amanda Waller questions are still lingering. Adebayo is doing a great job of not cracking under all these insults that are getting hurled at her mom. Mm-hmm. So we don't really know that. We know that Adebayo knows more than everyone else because she says, shouldn't we let everyone in on this, the whole mission? Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have now lots of questions around Mern. So, yeah, there's there's a lot to uncover. It's also interesting that uh, she didn't pick up the call from her wife. Whether she doesn't yeah. want her involved, whether she doesn't just what doesn't she's feeling so down because she murdered yeah. some or or killed somebody. Also, I love how the bandage for Judah Master was over his costume. <laughs> <laughs> that is that character is so funny. It's almost like do we do we have? I mean, he picks just the right like um, sort of peripheral characters. I keep using yeah. that word and the um, that actor's yeah. physicality is spectacular. Oh my god, so funny. Yeah. 
He's so funny. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to miss him, I think. If, yeah. he is, if he is truly dead, maybe he did convince well, I his think kidney he'll, to replace I, his I think he's still alive. I think we'll get more butterfly information from him. They're just keeping that information from us for a little bit so that Mern can do whatever he, the, that has to happen. Um, and then we get uh, an incredible uh eagly and uh butterfly scene in this one where he's tapping on the glass yeah uh, that was hilarious so and when and then he hot boxes the butterfly which was really yep. funny mm-hmm. give, um, him the, give him the butterfly a little chill yeah. session as well i just think that this show is really cool in terms of like this heartfelt messaging that's really well acted and well written with like james gunn's like trauma background as like a glisten over everything um, oh. I, I think that's really fun, and I really, I, I really like this episode a lot. Um, also, Joanna, do you know who does the voice of Eagly? No, who does Is the voice of Eagly? D. Bradley Baker, your Shut favorite, uh, your favorite clone voice. Oh my God, he's just a man of so many talents. Yeah, he can be and the voice of Appa, of course. He's the voice of Appa. Yeah, I didn't know that. Oh wow! Yep, yep. Man, he's got a lot. He's got a lot to live up for. I mean, not not he. Uh, T- Tammy Morrison's got a lot to live up for. A lot, a lot to live <laughs> yeah. up to. Uh, okay. Have a fun. So, what do you? How many? Uh, how many uh, judo master chip bags do you rate this episode? Uh, judo master chip bags. I'm gonna give this an eight. I love the flashbacks. I love the emotion. I love getting. Um, more adrian chase and i loved seeing peacemaker in action like that and the twist at the end what about Mm. you yeah this is an eight for me i enjoyed this just as much as the other ones it was interesting because we binged the first three and we just watched this standalone and i'm really happy that we were able to binge the first three because it really got me into it um and then this one has was just like you know feeding the beast uh of me enjoying it and you know I think the difference between this and Boba Fett from a very high level, they're totally different. I understand that. Yeah. That this show figured out what it is in the first couple of, honestly, like the intro, the amazing intro that we love, that we do not skip. You do not skip this intro. is just yeah. a microcosm of like the fact that we know, this show knows what it is. And I think that Boba Fett has incredible scenes and awesome moments. And it's like giving me all the things my little Star Wars heart desires. And these last three episodes are going to do that too. But narratively and tonally, I'm not 100% sure it knows what it is. It knows what it is, but I don't think it's executing that well. Like with the Tuscan Raider stuff and timeline and, you know, the – this when when it's more focused on a mission like Mandalorian is, um, it's really good. Like the, uh, well, I, I won't. I, I, this is not a spot. Sorry, I mean it, it's here. really difficult. They're doing a show that is they're just relying on so much backstory that we have. Not mm-hmm. we, the joke is we don't have a lot of backstory on Boba Fett, but we have. They're you know they're using all of this content that has been, and they're relying on a lot of this interest. <laughs> yeah. Whereas James Gunn, yet again, is taking some characters out of, you know, oblivion, essentially, and just and bringing them onto our screens and making us fall in love with them. So it's yeah. just, it's a different ballgame. But it, I totally. do look forward to the show a lot. And Justin, we love to rewatch the episodes. Mm. Um, they're just funny. So yeah. To be fair, like, I still like Boba Fett. I just, I'm just, this one is just more enjoyable. And especially because we watch them back to back. 
Yeah, Boba Fett's like our the big sibling, and we're like, we expected more from you. Peacemaker's like this loving, like little sibling who were like, oh, you just get away with anything you want. You scamp. We love you. Yeah. You scamp. You rube. Well, nerds, with an attitude like that, you're definitely a supervillain. We thank you so much for stopping by, and we hope that you had as much fun as we did. And we hope that you will join us next time as we travel into another corner of the nerdverse. Make sure to join us in the Nerdverse by following on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, at the Nerdverse Pod. Be sure to blast over and subscribe to the Nerdverse with Joanna and Brian on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, and rate and review us there. Or uh, we will bottle you up and hotbox you. Which doesn't sound like a bad thing to some No, it truly does not. As a new universe and a multiverse of other Nerdverses, the reviews and ratings are so very important for us to grow. So leave those five-star ratings. And, you know... I think he's just pretending to be gay to get away from you. What a hurtful thing to say. And then he says, yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So dejected. Okay, so you finally watched the end scene. Yep. The stinger. Did you watch all the stingers? I did. You did did go back. They're just so, like, it's just. They're like deleted scenes or they're improv scenes that they didn't end up using. Yeah, and like, honestly, it's so enjoyable. Like, his whole rant about, like, the duck, where does the beak go, the web feet, like, that was just so, <laughs> so enjoyable. Funny. I didn't know that he was, you know, I, I, Adrian Chase were, well, not Adrian, the actor. Um, we're learning, um, so we're uh, Freddie Stroma. We're learning that he's a fantastic improviser. And, yeah. And your friend John Cena is just as good. John Cena? Uh, one of my other favorite parts of this episode is where he keeps pretending to not be vigilante and he's changing his voice and he's limping we didn't talk about that and when she's like that was vigilante yeah (laughs) (laughs) it was so good so good that was great (sighs)